the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Six minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock, and we're underway on AM 1420, The Answer. It's a Thursday, the 17th morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord, 2021. Coming up on the program in a half an hour, everyone's favorite Northeast Ohio news reporter, Jack Windsor, will be joining us. Jack is going to talk to us about the big bombshell yesterday in Columbus as Larry Householder was removed from the Ohio uh, House of Representatives for corruption. Uh, or at least because he was arrested on corruption charges. He has not yet had a day in court. He has not yet been convicted, but he has been removed from his post. The question becomes, is this the right thing to do? Under the, the veil of corruption, now let me rephrase, under the hint of corruption, which there certainly is since he has been arrested, are the charges enough to remove a sitting member and a former speaker of the Ohio State House? Or must due process prevail? And this is something that we all agreed upon when President Trump was referred by the House of Representatives in D.C. to the Senate for an impeachment trial. What about due process? Has Larry Householder been given due process? That's a question we're going to ask Jack Windsor coming up at... um, uh, 935. Also going to talk to Jack about the two bills, kind of companions, kind of similar, but not identical in the Ohio House to um, ban the teaching of critical race theory in the state of Ohio, the way that it has been banned in many other states already by intelligent governors, reasonable legislatures, and boards of education. What about here in Ohio? Jack Windsor and I will talk about that. There are a couple of bills, one sponsored by Sarah Fowler and Reggie Stoltzis, one by uh, uh, Diane Grandel, and uh, we're very much looking forward to the conversation with Jack about those. Then at 10.10, it's Thursday. 
And you know that's Piper Day. Rowdy Everett Piper, Dr. Piper, will be joining us at uh, 1010 on a host of issues. So we've got uh, Jack Windsor and Dr. Piper are the guests today. In between those guests, before those guests, and after those guests, well, then you are the guest. 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Don't forget to save those numbers in your phone so you don't have to wait for me to read them. And then if I read them too fast, you can't hear them and write them down. Save them. Also save this. It's our authority message line. If you can't get through on the air live because of various reasons, you can leave a message for us anytime, 24 hours a day at 216-525-1806. And we would love to play your messages on the air. Now, before we get started with the top stories of the day, let's pause for our Pledge of Allegiance. Patriots, if you have a flag, please stand and face it. If you don't, at least stand and put your hand over your heart. Progressives, go ahead and take your proverbial knee. We know how you feel about this country. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Amen to that. We're going to start today with child abuse, not the kind you normally think of, and not even the type of child abuse that we're talking about when it comes to critical race theory and trying to teach children K through 12 that they are only, that they are not an individual, that they do not have character, they do not have personalities of their own, but they are all to be viewed only through the color of their skin. What they look like is the most important thing. That type of child abuse we will talk about and have talked about uh, and continue to do so, talking about critical race theory. But I want to talk about a story that I saw yesterday on the WKYC 3 News website, and it refers to a story done by apparently a sister station, a sister NBC network station in uh, in Tampa, Florida. And I'll com- tie it to another story about uh, abusing children by way of teaching them that they are not what God made them, teaching them that they are not or may not be what God made them. And, of course, I'm speaking of of gender, the new buzzword, of course, in, in woke culture that has apparently they've tried to use to replace the word sex, that there is sex, which is male or female, but there is gender, which is infinite. There, there could be five genders. There could be 13 genders. There could be 29 genders. And according to some, there are no there is no limit to genders. And all of them must be recognized and affirmed by everyone else lest everyone else be considered prejudiced or homophobic. So the article that was on 3 News, which I just have gotten so much comedy out of over the course of the last few years, as they have just lurched further and further to the left. And I say that with no joy. Um, I was on 3 News back when it was, just, you know, wasn't they, they changed their branding to 3 News, uh, so it was before that, but I... I visited the WKY studios many, many, many times and did commentary segments on their early morning shows, did commentary segments on their election night coverage. Um, I spent a lot of time. There's some good folks over there. There really are. Make no mistake about it. But as a company, WKYC, Channel 3, has lurched so far to the left, it's almost unrecognizable. 
um, everything and anything having to do with Donald Trump or conservatism or law enforcement or gun rights or things, you know, that are the buzzwords that uh, they connect with conservatives. They post things on their website and they do stories on the air making all of them sound evil and or foolish, clownish, cartoonish. Anything that has to do with the Biden agenda, the squad agenda, and so on and so forth is, of course, praised and, and saluted. It's Their bias is just so unbelievably blatant anymore, it's kind of hard to, it's hard to watch. So I do. I spend a great deal of time on the WKYC Facebook feed as they post these things, and uh, I respond to them appropriately calling them woke KYC instead of just WKYC because it's what they are. But on the woke WKYC page uh, two days ago, I found this story. And the story is headlined, Understanding Pronouns and How to Use Them Correctly. Wait a minute, what? Uh, I learned all of this stuff in junior high, maybe even in, in elementary school, like through grade five. I already know how to use pronouns correctly. This isn't that difficult. In fact, I taught it to my junior high students when I was teaching grammar and the mechanics of language. So I don't understand. What what do you mean, understanding pronouns and how to use them correctly? So I clicked on the link, and here it is. I told you it links to one of their sister stations in Florida. But the subheadline is, using someone's preferred pronouns and identifying your own is a sign of respect and inclusivity. Oh, wait a minute. Using someone's preferred pronouns, you don't get to prefer a pronoun. A pronoun is just used to refer to an individual without saying their actual name. You don't get to choose them. They just are what they are. If you're a male, you, your pronoun that is chosen or that is that is just applicable to you because of the fact that there are two sexes is, is, is he. And, and if somebody is referring to you uh, in, a thir- or, uh, uh, in an objective sense, him. Subjective sense he, object, uh, uh, objective sense him. And then she and, and her and so forth. What do you mean preferred pronouns? And what do you mean it identifies your own and identif- identifying your own is a sign of respect and inclusivity? Because it would appear to me if you are not using people's pronouns correctly, and I mean the way that they are designed in the English language, then what it's really a sign of is that you failed junior high English. And if you're doing it because you can't tell a man from a woman by simple biology, then it sounds like you failed junior high science, too. Using pronouns incorrectly because somebody demands that you do uh, essentially means you failed English and science and probably ought to turn your diploma in. From the story. You may have noticed people adding their personal pronouns to email signatures, professional and personal social media profiles lately. Instagram recently added the gender identity feature to its profiles after adding a dedicated section for identifying personal pronouns. It's just one of many platforms with the feature. Even rideshare company Lyft and dating apps like OkCupid offer the feature. This shift in openly identifying one's pronouns is one that shows evidence of acceptance, explained Kiala Emmons. If I receive an email from a person that's not part of the LGBTQ plus community, it allows me to know that person is at least an ally or someone that is safe. (laughs) In other words, if you don't identify yourself as a he or a him, as a male, 
or uh, as a she or as, or, or as a her, then you are unsafe. You are considered a threat. You are considered a threat to the community. Emmons serves as the Trans Services Program Coordinator at Metro Inclusive Health. I have no idea what in the living hail Metro Inclusive Health is, but this is what it says. Some of the most common pronouns are she, her, and hers, he, him, and his, they, them, and theirs. She, her, and hers are used for someone who may identify as female. He, him, and his are used for someone who may identify as male. Good job. And this fourth grade lesson will continue momentarily. I mean, seriously, we know this. And it's not may identify is. It's is a female or a male. They, them, and theirs are used for someone who may not identify strictly as male or female. Now this is where you lose. Now this is where you fail fourth grade uh, English. They, them, and theirs are plural pronouns. They is a subjective plural pronoun. Them is an objective plural pronoun. Theirs is a possessive plural pronoun. I used to teach this stuff. It's pretty readily available in in just about any, uh, like I said, elementary level, maybe junior high level grammar or uh, mechanics of language textbook. Sometimes, says woke KYC, you may see Z or Xi or I don't even know how the heck to say XE. And that's a set of pronouns that are used by people who often identify as gender neutral. In other words, people with psychological impairments, psychological conditions that make them not know who they are, not know what they are. That's literally what this means. Gender neutral means I can't figure out if I'm male or female. Some people will prefer to use, the, uh, use their name only instead of choosing a set of pronouns. So you can never refer to that person as anything other than their actual given name or probably their chosen name. The website from uh, which Woke KYC in Cleveland took this story is uh, 10 Tampa Bay. Again, or probably an NBC sister station. And they say 10 Tampa Bay has created a glossary of common LGBTQ, XYZ, exclamation point, question mark, ampersand, uh, to help you understand some of the things you may have heard before. Of course, I would simply say to them, we don't need to understand fictional terms. We don't need to understand other people's psychological delusions other than to say, if you have a psychological delusion, we will pray for you and we will encourage you to seek psychological assistance because this is what you need. It is a sign of respect when you use people's preferred pronouns and says, I'm here and I see you and how you want to be seen, said Emmons. She encourages everyone to share theirs as well. So how do you navigate that conversation outside of the digital space where it's easily seen? We talk, about, uh, we talk a lot about this in the office setting. Normally you'd say, my name is, and my pronouns are. However, you don't always get that opportunity. So as long as you ask people without malicious intent, it's okay to ask. You can say, hi, what pronouns do you use? But you have to be consistent in that approach, she said. If you learn down the line that you've used the wrong pronouns for someone, don't panic. Use it as a learning experience. Emmons says you should just apologize and correct yourself and use their preferred pronouns going forward.
Deep breaths. There are teachers all over America being punished, being reprimanded, being suspended, being fired for not correctly asking maybe 125 students. When I used to teach, I would have an average of 25 students to 30 students in my classroom each period that I taught, and I would teach six periods a day. So six times 25 is 150 kids. Asking 150 different kids what different pronouns they want to use, whether they be weird, new, constructed pronouns, individually created pronouns, manufactured pronouns, or just the opposite pronouns, or possessive pronouns. And if they don't do it, and if they don't do it correctly, they can lose their jobs. We have turned this society into one that is ignoring basic biology and basic grammar, all to affirm the psychological impairment of a very, very small group of people in this country and in this world. A very small group of people. And when I say very small, we're talking about less than 1% prior to this current woke culture that is encouraging young kids in the interest of being uh, uh, current and the interest of being socially just in the interest of being trendy and cool to change their genders or to take some time and decide and pick whatever gender you are. We won't even tell you what you're called biologically, physiologically, chromosomally, anatomically we won't even tell you that that thing between your legs is is male genitalia we won't even tell you that that space between your legs is female genitalia we're just going to let you figure out who and what you are as you grow and then you can tell us that way there won't be any sex quote assigned at birth newsflash sexes are not assigned at birth no doctor no parent tells them this is your assignment you are born as a male with male reproductive organs inside and out, or you are born as a female with female reproductive organs inside your body and out. It is not a question of feelings. It is a question of science. One would think that the left and all of their or their or his and hers and nobodies and non-binaries, one would think that the left would understand that. I've got more, and I want to hear from you. 216-901-0945 on AM 1420, The Answer. Bob France, here on AM 1420, The Answer. Short segment here. Um, so you may wonder, okay, Bob, you, you, you made your point about all the pronouns, but what did you mean when you said child abuse? This is what I mean when I say child abuse. The companion story to the one I just shared with you came from The Blaze, reporting on author and sociologist Kyle Myers, a woman who made headlines over the last few years for announcing the birth of her gender-neutral, gender you remember this term, baby. They're, they called their child when she was pregnant with it, 
baby, not a baby, a baby, because this child was not going to be born male or female. This child was going to be born completely uh, non-gendered. So the child is now five, and the mother is making new announcements. They have decided, or at least they have let their five-year-old child named Zoomer, just reading what it says, Zoomer is a boy. Myers and her husband, Brent Courtney, did not announce the child's gender when it was born, stating in 2018, we don't disclose Zoomer's genitals to people who don't need to know. Zoomer turned five in May, has reportedly decided that he's a boy, and has asked his parents to use, this is a five-year-old kindergarten-age kid, to use he and him pronouns. According to the Salt Lake Tribune, Myers, who also detailed her family's gender-creative parenting in a book called Raising Them, detailed the gender reveal in a May 25th Instagram post. She wrote, my family does regular pronoun checks with one another. As we're putting shoes on or to head out to run errands, Zoomer asks, hey, mom, what pronouns do you want me to use for you today? I believe that a five-year-old says this. Some days I say, I'm very they, them this morning. Others, other days I say, she and her feels good right now. Thanks for asking. Her post continued, we had a pronoun check back in March of 2020 around Z's fourth birthday. It was quite special. I asked, what pronouns do you feel you're into these days, Zoomer? And Zoomer responded, I love he and him. Now, I can't read much more of this without losing my breakfast. But I do want to, I do want to read this to you. I knew, she concluded, Zoomer would find pron- a pronouns that fit. As a gender-creative parent, I made sure Z had all the pronouns to try on, to hear being used, to put into piles. Not for me. Maybe I like. I love. Z knows he can use he and him pronouns for the rest of his life, or alternate pronouns like I do, or forego pronouns, or invent new ones. The gender-creative adventure doesn't stop here. We aren't going to assign a gender or disclose reproductive anatomy to people who don't need to know. And we were going to use the gender-neutral pronoun, personal pronouns, they, them, and their. We imagined it could be years before our child would tell us in their own way if they were a boy or a girl, or if they would tell us they were non-binary, or if another gender identity fit them. We teach them to use gender-neutral words until a person tells us themselves. We call kids friends. We have taught Zoomer about their own body without using boy and girl labels. Zoomer understands that some girls have penises, and some boys have vulvas, and some intersex kids have vulvas and testes. Zoomer knows some daddies get pregnant, and non-binary uh, binary parents are called zazas. I am witnessing my child create their own gender. And who Zoomer has become is greater than anything I could have imagined or assigned. Instead of us telling children who they should be, maybe it's the children who would tell us how to be. We just have to get out of their way. I'll stop here because it's news time. But I am going to respond to that. I'm going to ask you to respond to that as well. But for now, I'll leave you with child abuse. That's what this is. Full stop. Child abuse. We'll be right back. Progressive Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. All right, 937. Let's dive right in with our good friend Jack Windsor, reporter for the Ohio Star, also a reporter covering Ohio press conferences for AM 1420. The answer. Jack Windsor back with us uh, on the program this morning. Hey, Jack, how are you, sir? 
Bob, I'm super fantastic. It's an absolute honor to be here with you again this week and uh, the 1420 listeners. All right, so Larry Householder has uh, probably seen this coming ever since the uh, FBI raided his home, and uh, he has been charged with a pretty massive bribery and money laundering scheme. Uh, He survived for a while, but not now. Republican members decided in a bipartisan vote, 75 to 21, to uh, remove him from office. Attorney General Dave Yost, Jack Windsor, tweeted the following. Justice, decency, and common sense gave a standing ovation to today's vote to expel Mr. Householder from the People's House. Uh, Jack Windsor, is this fair? Is this right? Is this just? Or does Larry Householder deserve a trial and due process before he loses his position in the House? Well, 42 Republicans and 33 Democrats think that, uh, think just like Yost. Uh, one Democrat, uh, Representative Joe Miller, Van Hurst, and 20 Republicans disagree on the grounds that, that you just talked about. Uh, the resolution, uh, which was House Resolution 69, was built on Article 2, Section 6 of the Ohio Constitution that allows for the House to punish members for, quote, disorderly conduct. Now, what folks who voted against it would argue uh, I would I would surmise, I've talked to a couple of them, particularly Scott Wiggum, who's a Republican from the Worcester area. Uh, the reason that, that he opposes it is that the Ohio Constitution, in his mind, does not allow for the Ohio House uh, to expel members for alleged disorderly conduct. And that's what they're claiming. Um, he went on to say that with today's political expulsion of the representative charged with a felony, uh, he didn't have his day in court. The Ohio House ignored due process and dismissed the presumption of innocence uh, and overturned a local election while setting a precedent for the expulsion of any member based on charges alone. And uh, that's a big deal. Due process is a big deal. Presumption of innocence is a big deal. And so he went on to say for the past five years, we've witnessed the FBI alleged that President Trump was engaged in criminal activity without evidence, all while refusing to investigate evidence of criminal fact that was criminally found on Hunter Biden's laptop. So I asked Wiggum, well, why didn't the House then go through the impeachment process? Why didn't they impeach Householder and then turn the case over to the Senate for a hearing that could have, according to due process, removed him? And he simply said that Householder has too many political enemies and they wanted it done. The political enemies just wanted this done without the due process, you mean? Yep, that's exactly right. That see, now, see, now this is... This has got to be very troubling for, you know, well, for Ohio constituents, period, but Ohio Republicans in particular, because we believe in due process. We saw what happened to Donald Trump. I do understand what Scott Wiggum is talking about here, but we are talking about a lot of evidence that at least has been presented or has been um, uh, leaked or, or what have you from the FBI, enough to, you know, the charges here are enough to put them away for 20 years. But but I mean, the, the the issue still remains. He has not yet been convicted. And so how do we square this with that? And in fact, does he even have to be convicted or, as you say, at least have a hearing in the House to see if this is disorderly conduct that rises to the level of removal? That, you know, I'm not saying they have to wait until there is an actual jury verdict on this, but at least hold or conduct the hearings in the State House that uh, are proper procedure before removing somebody from from their position. Right. That's exactly right. And, you know, I don't know that Wiggum or anyone else is saying, hey, we think that Larry Householder is innocent or guilty. I think what they're saying is precisely what you just said. 
that we have this mechanism, we have this impeachment mechanism that would allow us to vote for impeachment, send it over to the Senate, and let them hold the hearing. And then we can we can do it based on due process, not just a resolution, uh, you know, that's that's based on Article Two, Section Six of the Constitution. Um, and so, you know, the precedent. So these political enemies, these political enemies, Jack, that Scott Wiggum is referring to, we're talking about fellow Republicans, right? Because they 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 run the House for goodness sakes. They they called this vote. So they be, the the Republicans in the Ohio State House. What if I, if I'm hearing you correctly are saying we are casting aside the rule of law, casting aside due process, casting aside what we should do and and, and should be afforded to every uh, member of this you know state house that is charged with something or or alleged to have done something. We're willing to cast all of that aside just because we hate this guy that much. That's right. And, you know, let's take it a little bit uh, farther down the road, and let's think about what, what Joe Biden did this week. If you remember the article that came out, he essentially said that he's going to start funding organizations so that they can look into what he calls domestic terrorist activities. But he defines them as uh, anti-government type of movement or, or anti-authority. So it starts to look a lot like if you're anti-big government and you're against progressive policy, then you could be labeled a domestic terrorist. So then it begs the question, what if the FBI does come in for political purposes and, you know, they try to off a political opponent and that person has been charged with something? Do we remove them from office simply because now we have, you know, a politically motivated DOJ or FBI, um, you know, right. I think it raises a lot of questions about due process. That's a great question, and that's a great point with this particular DOJ and what we did here from Merrick Garland, and yes, from Joe Biden as well. That's a great point. Uh, we're talking with Jack Windsor from the Ohio Star and from WHK and 14, uh, 1420. The answer, we have uh, uh, trusted Jack to go down there and continue to ask questions of Mike DeWine as it pertains to res- pandemic restrictions and other things. Uh, Jack, uh, let's talk about uh, critical race theory now. There are two bills bills that have been introduced, uh, House Bills 322 and 327. Jack, you sound like you're at sea right now, by the way. Uh, I don't know if they're... <laughs> it sounds like the ocean is just crashing next to you. Uh, if, if, yeah, that, that's much better. Thank you. Okay, that, excellent. Yeah, I don't know if that was a window down or what, but um, House Bills 322 and 327, both presented uh, by sponsors in the uh, House House's uh, state and local government committees, one by uh, Sarah Fowler and Reggie Stoltzfus and the other by Diane Grandel. Um these are attempts to ban the teaching of critical race theory largely and cultural Marxism in Ohio's public schools K through 12. What can you tell us about these and what can you tell us about the likelihood of their passage? Yeah, I'm going to dive in quite a bit on, on 327, which is Grindel and uh, Sarah Fowler uh, Arthur. Uh, it's officially titled Prohibit Teaching, Advocating, or Promoting Divisive Concepts. And what that bill aims to do is prohibit schools from teaching these divisive concepts or accepting private funding uh, to further promote those types of concepts. It would require the Department of Education to withhold funding from a school district or school that violates the bill. And it's a pretty lengthy list, but a couple of the things I'll, I'll share with you that the bill defines as a divisive concept. Uh, one nationality, color, ethnicity, race, or sex is inherently superior to another nationality, color, ethnicity, race, or sex, that the United States is fundamentally racist or sexist, that an individual by virtue of their nationality, color, ethnicity, 
race or sex is inherently racist, sexist, or oppressive, that an individual should be discriminated against or receive adverse treatment solely or partly because of the individual's nationality, color, ethnicity, race, or sex. And it goes on, on down the line. But what it does it, is it, uh, it, it proactively deals with this critical race theory, which is often combined with those opinion essays published by the New York Times called the 1619 Project. And what it does is it seeks to rewrite American history and rebrand America as a place that's built on the backs of slaves and a land of people who are inherently and often unconsciously racist. And it really walks backwards all the work of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who preached content of character over uh, color of skin. Now, this bill has uh, 35 co-sponsors, and it is in the state and local government committee, as you mentioned, which is chaired by Scott Wiggum, uh, vice-chaired um, by Marilyn John out of Richland County. And it did receive a hearing on the 15th, so just two days ago. And uh, Representative Wigan tells me that it is scheduled for proponent testimony uh, next week. I would expect that this bill will rapidly get out of the House uh, probably within the next week or two and find its way into uh, Andrew Brenner's committee there, Education Committee in the Senate, in the next couple of weeks. Okay, uh, and thank you, by the way, because I think I mixed up the sponsors there. This is Grendel and Fowler together on 327. Don Jones is the sponsor of 322. What is the difference here? And in, in, in fact, let me just read uh, this quick summary. Um, 322 focuses primarily on K-12 through classrooms. Uh, Don Jones compared the teaching of history based on racial and social divides to the Common Core educational standards in the state. He claimed that many of the state school districts opposed Common Core, uh, but because the state, was, the state needed money, they were willing to take on the prescribed educational standards to receive that money. Quote, I think this will be the next common core. I think this is going to change the way we look at history. I don't think, uh, mm-hmm. I think it's going to change the way we present history and not just history, but how we present information to our students. As you understand it, what's the difference between 322 and 327? Why do we need two? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And, uh, you know, I will preface it by saying I'm not an attorney, but I think what the crux of it is, is uh, it goes, it goes to divisive concepts and the, the sponsors of, uh, 327, which is Grindel and, and Arthur, I think would argue that it's really in line with the Civil Rights Act of, of 1964 based on nationality, race, color, ethnicity, religion, or sex. And so it's really in lockstep with, um, you know, what's a law that's already on the books. So I, I think it's really, it, it pinpoints um, this whole issue of divisive concepts, whereas um, it, it sounds to me like Representative Jones' that bill is uh, a little broader. Um, and, you know, as you just read, it, it kind of ties in with some common core themes. I think this is, you know, right to the morrow of critical race theory. But that's just, you know, my uh, once-over uh, study of, of both. Yeah, another quote from Don Jones, just to uh, uh, kind of bring this around. It is designed to look at everything from a, talking about CRT, from a race-first lens, which is the very definition of racism. CRT claiming to fight racism is laughable. Students should not be asked to examine their whiteness or check their privilege. This anti-American doctrine has no place in Ohio schools. So it may be broader, but it is still focusing directly on critical race theory and uh, the comparison to Common Core. Uh, so do we need to have both of these bills passed? You say that you think 327 is going to get rapid uh um, approval uh, out of committee and into a House vote and over to the Senate. 322 going to do the same, or is this a little bit of redundancy? So, 
I remembering back when uh, Senate Bill 22 passed, there were a couple of bills. There was a Senate bill and there was a House bill. And what ended up happening is they, they took what they would call the best of both bills and dumped it into that Senate Bill 22. I think that's what you'll see happen here. Uh, Scott okay. Wigan has done that before where he looks at two bills that are similar and says, all right, we, these are the things that we need to shore up this bill and make it, you know, in their minds, maybe the, the perfect uh, the perfect law. So I would expect that maybe there would be an amendment or a combi- combining of, of, of the two bills. Um, and, you know, frankly, I have not looked at Don Jones' uh, level of co-sponsorship. But 26. With 35 for Green. Tw- 26 uh, is what he's got. 26. He's got 26 okay. co-sponsors. Yeah, which is a pretty good number, just like the 35 for the Grendel follower, Arthur, uh, 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 327. Yeah, so I would expect that that's my that's my best guess. Uh Bob is that I think we'll probably see these these bills combined in some fashion. Um but the you know the language that's used um in in 327 is is pretty strong because again it it kind of echoes that Civil Rights Act of 1964 and I think the political argument there would be okay so wait a minute do we need to undo the the Civil Rights Act of 1964 through opposing this bill? Yeah, that's exactly what they'd be saying. That is exactly correct, and I think your analogy uh, is perfect there. Jack, I'm going to go off the board for one last question, and I'm only going to give you 60 seconds to answer it. Sorry, but it's 9.51, and I wanted to ask you um, about about um, uh, whether or not uh, a bill should be passed in this state to ban colleges and universities from requiring vaccination for students to return to campus. In Arizona, Governor Doug Ducey earlier this week signed a, a, a bill uh, into law that does indeed do that. It bans stu- uh, universities from requiring vaccinations. Now, we know that 248 is struggling right now. We know that Mike DeWine has already spoken out against that. What about just the college and university aspect? Well, okay, so let me let me try to, in 60 seconds, wrap this uh, into two quick points. Number number one, uh, Pope Pius XII, I think it was around 1952, addressed the issue of, you know, forced um, medical procedures or, you know, medical testing, and essentially said it is, um, uh, it's unethical to say to a person, hey, you need to give up your potential well-being for the well-being of the community. And so from that vantage point, to me, when you're looking at a college kid and saying, hey, you need to carry the burden and the onus of the health of the entire country or the elder population, I would say that that would tend to be unethical. Now, let's bring in the second point. We now have evidence that uh, some of these vaccines are causing not only adverse reactions, but potentially deaths in young kids. So when you combine both of those, um, I'm not sure how you get to mandating vaccines for college kids it not only does it does it seem unethical now it seems dangerous and potentially deadly that's well done and you did it in less than 60 seconds uh, i agree with you and the, and the part that's why i brought it up the part about young people young people are the least affected by this virus talking about uh, covid19 and number two things like myocarditis and other serious conditions are developing in young people who receive this vaccine it just simply cannot be done uh, and i say this as the father of two college students or soon to be college students my son's on his way uh, so that's the reason it's of great importance to me and i know many others jack windsor handled it beautifully as always Jack, thank you so much for the time, sir. We'll talk again very soon. Thanks, Bob. Have a blessed day. Uh, that's Jack Windsor joining us. It's 953. Right back. First thing I remember, I was lying in my bed. Couldn't have been no more than one or two. Oh. 
Okay, 9.56. i got time for a call or two before the top of the hour here. Dr. Everett Piper waiting on the other side of the news break. Uh, let's go to Derek in Richfield. Hey, Derek, thanks for being patient. You're on the air. Go ahead, sir. Oh, you're welcome. No problem. Thank you. Um, so there's a couple points here. Um, so it, it seems that so not only are the, the, those with gender dysphoria confused, but that anyone who's codifying and supporting it also seems uh, confused and have some issues that they really believe uh, this gender fluidity stuff. Um, and, you know, whenever I hear non-binary, you know, I can't help but think, well, what is this, computer coding? Or, or are we cyborgs or amoebas or something? <laughs> non-binary. But um, the main, uh, main thing I wanted to uh, bring up to you is I'm sure you know, you know, know this name, Alfred Kinsey and the Kinsey Institute out of the University of Indiana. And um, I really, I believe that this whole gender fluidity issue, that's where the origins are from his, and, and that's where they, they, where the left gets their, their pseudoscience, they base all this off of, because obviously, you know, chromosomes, that whole argument, you know, that's not, it's not real science to say that you can choose your gender if there's such a thing as chromosomes. So um, I just wonder if you would, you know, talk a little about what you know about the Kinsey Institute and, and it's. It's wonderful founder, Alfred Kinsey. Well, I'll be honest with you, and thank you for the call, Derek. I appreciate it. I don't know a ton about the Kinsey Institute. I do know uh, of of Kinsey, uh, but I will say this in in response to all of that. You know, you, you, it's obvious you cannot choose your gender when chromosomes tell you in chromosomal science. It's not you know, it's not up for debate. These are not thoughts and feelings. These are chromosomes. This is your, your, your biological makeup, your chromosomal makeup, your anatomical, your physiological, your cellular makeup tells you what you are. It's just that simple. There's two things going on here. You have a physical manifestation of a being, and you have a mental and psychological manifestation of a being. If there is a disconnect between the two, if there is a physical representation of male or female, and the psychological or mental uh, representation of male or female in an individual is different than that, then I would submit to you one is wrong. And it is not the physical, uh, uh, biological, chromosomal, anatomical, cellular uh, uh, being that is wrong. There is a psychological condition that needs to be addressed in the same way that if one person thinks that they are two, or more. It's called multiple personality disorder. You don't actually treat the person like they are two individual beings. You try to psychologically treat the person to, and to help them overcome that and understand that they are one individual being. And as far as the non-binary, Derek just brought up non-binary and he, you know, the joke about computer code, and that's, that's good. That, to me, is the greatest example of the the foolishness and the trendiness, the this is what we're going to do with science is make it cool and fun and pretend that we're something that we're not. It's what makes it the most obvious. You know, you some might say that, hey, maybe there is a legitimate gender dysphoria in a, in a biological male in which he thinks that he is female. Maybe there is a psychological condition there that does need to be addressed. And maybe vice versa, that could happen. 
But what makes us know that there are very, 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 very few people like that is that they have expanded it into, you know what? I don't really feel in my mind like I'm male or female. I'm non-binary. I'm just a being. I'm not, I don't. I may have all the male reproductive organs or all the female reproductive organs and the genitalia, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I just don't feel like one or the other. I am just me. That lets you know this is just opening the door for what the lunatic parents that I quoted for you before had to say. We are into gender creativity. We are going to be gods. We are going to create whatever gender that we decide we can come up with in in our own imaginations, rather than accepting what God made us as. That's just the reality of it all. The rest of this is trendy creativity and science fiction. 